When I say the word church, what comes to your mind? Is it a building with a steeple and stained glass windows, a hierarchy of church elders, pastors, teachers, priests, or is it Southern fried chicken and potluck suppers? Well, our perceptions of church come from our upbringing, from our environment and our experiences, and just where we live culturally. So all these perceptions that we have of church and the way that we've been doing church, is it close to what Jesus said when he said in Matthew chapter 16 at verse 18, upon this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not, shall not prevail against it. Is that, are we close to that? Is the, are we in line with that? That is the question. Are our perceptions in line with the heart of Jesus? Well, tonight we're going to take a look at that. And we're going to talk to a good friend of mine, Ron Hamilton, and we're going to talk about a book that he's written called Ecclesia, Empowered and Deployed. Welcome, everyone, to the Raven's Heart live stream and podcast. We are back. Tonight is actually a double shot Thursday at the 7 o'clock hour. We're going to dive into some deep theology with my friend Ron Hamilton and talk about his book and talk about the church. And then at 8 o'clock tonight, stick around because we're going to rock out with a new band coming from Arkansas named Vessel. Now, Ron has been a friend of mine. Actually, I taught his son's school back in 1993, 1994. I was his son's fifth grade teacher back in the day. Ron, it is so good to have you on the Raven's Heart live stream. Hey, it's so fun to be here. I, I've been looking forward to this. Yeah, Glenn, hey, we go way back, man. Yeah, I'm so, I, I tell you, Glenn, if anybody gets up at 345 to get to work at five, I admire him. Come on, guys. <laughs> that, that's, exactly, that's exactly what I do. And hey, this is a community for all of those that are new to the Raven's Heart live stream. You have the ability, if you're watching on Twitch, if you're watching on YouTube live, Facebook live, to go ahead and comment. You can ask Ron questions. You can ask me questions like, why do we have so many Ravens around here? We'll talk about that at a later time. But Ron, you published a book and I read it. So, hey, we got something good going on here. We you know, got some synergy. You published something and I read it. And I was absolutely refreshed by it. It's a, it's a book called Ecclesia, Empowered and Deployed. And for those that are watching on YouTube live right now, if you look down in the description, there's a link where you can get it on Amazon. But before we dive into the depths of this, what is Ecclesia? Can it be found in the Bible? And if so, where is it found in the Bible? Yeah, Glenn, you know, uh, when Jesus first, I guess, used it or, or highlighted it, it was a scripture that we actually have translated over the years into church. But the word was Ecclesia or Ecclesia. People say it two different ways. And uh, he, was refer he was actually referring to 
a group of citizens who could actually legislate for a government. How? So different than what we have finally, you know, come down to in a lot of ways. Because I'm, you know, same, same here. Uh, church became for me a long time just a building to go to, a group of people to hang out with, you know, and uh, a place to, to serve. But when Jesus used the word ecclesia, I think he shocked them. Because when he says, I also, he says, I am building my ecclesia. So why did he say that? It's because the, the Romans used that term for a group of citizens. Now, follow me. We're, you know, we're citizens of the kingdom of God. I have an American passport, but I tell you, my first allegiance is to the kingdom of God. So think about it. I mean, the Roman emperor had a group of citizens, and the highest level was the Senate, the Roman Senate. So listen to me. They could legislate because they knew the heart of the emperor. They knew his will, his purpose, and intent. They could legislate for the emperor. In fact, if you look at it, uh, they, they gave power to citizens in remote colonies. To Two or three of them could meet and legislate. So think about it. When Jesus said, I am building, he said, my ecclesia or ecclesia, it shocked him because they, they knew immediately what he's talking about. It, the, the emperor has one. And Jesus said, I have an ecclesia. And it blew him away because then he said, in my ecclesia, the gates of hell will not prevail against it. So, man, he just dropped a powerful truth of what he was about. And that word, if you look at the word church uh, in, the old, in the New Testament, a lot of places where it's translated as church, Ephesians 1, 22, 23, where it talks through where, you know, Jesus has gotten all power and authority over every name and all on and on and on. It just says he has given that authority to the church, which is to the ecclesia. <laughs> so the ecclesia, man, and also listen to this. Back then, he could have used temple. He could have used synagogue, which were static and buildings. He used a, a term for citizens that were mobile. They could meet anywhere. So we begin to understand how powerful that is, is that guys and then, you know, citizens, we're all citizens. We're, we're part of the only kingdom that has only, only has sons and daughters. Everybody's royalty. So being able to uh, legislate for the king in whatever area we're, we're in, it's just powerful. That made me feel really good. I'm royalty. Most of the time, I do not, I do not <laughs> feel that way. Shirt on now. <laughs> <laughs> I was telling for our listeners that have been and viewers that have been watching us for a while, they know every time before we start these things, I feel like I'm going to throw up. I just get really, really nervous and then just kind of get into it. But, uh, you know, Jesus was more revolutionary than we think. Because what you're saying about church is not what I grew up with. I grew up in a very high Episcopal church. It was almost Catholic. And then I wound up in an independent fundamental Baptist church, which was an absolute train wreck and disaster and nightmare. Then I've been a few other places. And a lot of our viewers and our listeners, I think where we connect, you know, of course, we talk a lot about music, hard rock, metal, and how God uses that and how God uses the arts. And, you know, what you've done with this book is a prophetic art. You've, you've written something that's revolutionary, sharing the heart of Christ. But I think one of the things that makes us all connect is we've been looking for something and searching for something that is not the institution that 
that we know as the church. A good friend of mine several years ago, her name is uh, Mel Becker. She is the lead vocalist for a band out of Indiana called Filthy Rags. And I asked her, what's going on in the church in Indiana? She's like, people are leaving. It is not what it's not satisfying their souls. They are they are just leaving. So Ron, what are the differences or what do you see as the major differences between Ecclesia and the Western church today? So if we were to draw a board out, you know, what what's the Western church and what's Ecclesia? What are the differences between the two? Well, I think the biggest thing is that the Ecclesia are believers that understand who they are and that they on the ground are bringing the kingdom of God, which is a benevolent kingdom. I'm telling you, if people could experience the kingdom of God, they would love it. They would want it. And that's why it's got to get on the ground with people, you know, knowing that they're activated <laughs> as powerful body of Christ. I mean, I think what Jesus did when he came on the earth, he first he revealed the Father. But he said, listen, he said, repent, which is that word means change your mind. Just get a new mindset. He's basically saying you got to get a new mindset because the kingdom of God is here. So I think it's activating believers, knowing that they're in the game. I remember when my son, Joel, uh, I coached uh, T-ball. When he got his first uniform, he slept in it three days. You know, it's like <laughs> people, they want to be in the game. You know, right yeah. now, too often it's a spectator sport. You think of a big soccer stadium and it's spectators watching people play. That's sometimes too often what church is. So, hey, G Jesus was saying, I'm changing from now on, who you are, the identity changes your behavior. So I think the biggest difference is identity, understanding who we are, that we have, of course, the kingdom in us. Jesus said, hey, it's Father, good pleasure to give you the kingdom. And I, you know, I wrote this at the beginning of the pandemic, so I really was wrestling, I think, with the Holy Spirit, how the church was going to meet in this new normal. Mm -hmm. And guys, you know, my last thing I want to see, of course, is us just go back to a seven-day meeting, <laughs> Every, yeah. you know, it's like, and it's a little different than small group. I, we've been part of small group all of our life, I'm telling you. And I, it's just that as people understand the authority, the, the the good authority they have. I'm talking, I say authority, because that word has been, you know, misused for sure. But our authority is over the works of the enemy. He's come to kill, steal, and destroy. So the authority I'm talking about, when we meet as an ecclesia, and I'm talking the same chapter Jesus says, with two or three of degree. He says, when two or three of you gather, that's powerful. I mean, that rocked their word because they knew in the Roman culture, two or three citizens could, could meet in a remote colony and legislate for Rome. He was saying, guys, two or three of you can meet, and I'm there in the midst of you, and we can do kingdom business together. So that's powerful. That's, I guess, to me, the difference of activation. That's why the book is called Empowered and Deployed. Believers just have to be deployed. I see church. I, you know, I still love the, the big meeting. I mean, it's awesome to see other people and worship. Yeah. But I see it as a, a more of a, uh aircraft carrier, you know, where believers are coming in and they're getting just refreshed and they're getting, you know, refitted. But they're going out on their assignment because – you know, God, God's purpose is clear. We don't have to try to find our purpose. His purpose is clear. He, he wants to bring the kingdom of heaven. And practically, I mean, acute music, sports, business, government, and every aspect of culture, 
He wants to bring it through believers so that people can really taste and experience the kingdom. So I guess that's the difference. You know, we're deployed and uh, we're not, not just showing up for another meeting. <laughs> yeah, I, I like that. There's a couple of points that I want to go back to that just really resonated with me. The first one is recognizing who we are and the authority yeah. that we have. And I've experienced this in working with other believers and ministering to other believers. And I deal with it myself where you get into this thing is I'm horrible. I'm terrible, which we are fallen. We got that, but we've been redeemed by the blood of Christ. But I go through this every time before I do one of these live streams or before I get engaged in real work, it's like, I'm not, not capable of this. I'm not worthy of this. I'm not good enough. And it's from the negative side. I know there's a positive side to it that I need to depend upon the spirit of God, but it's more of a maligning. And I've even heard that from other believers to me that, you know, this, you're, yeah, you're not who you think you are, or, and they really try to crush your identity. And a lot of it, I think is tied to false authority, something that I experienced in the independent fundamental Baptist church, where all the authority was due to the elders and the pastors. And it wasn't, it was yeah. not about walking in the authority that Jesus gave us, but it was revering the authority that they had to tell us what shoes to wear and that we couldn't wear shorts to church and all sorts of other crazy <laughs> things like that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> exactly, exactly. So this is revolutionary, this book. When I was reading it, I was completely refreshed. I was like, this is fresh. This is fresh stuff. This, this sounds right. And Let's just go back to a minute about the um, uh, just a few elders um, or the few people. And I'm sorry, the doorbell just rang. My dog started barking downstairs. But let, let's go to the number of the Ecclesia. You know, it's very small. And Jesus said, where two or three are gathered together in my name. Yeah. Um, with that, church doesn't have to be big, does it, Ron? No. In fact, in the book, you know, as far as the Ecclesia, what he was talking about, being able to meet and agree, because he said... That next verse, after he said, I'm building my ecclesia, he said, you know, whatever you bind on earth has been already been bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth has been loosed in heaven. You can't do that with 100,000, 100 people or 1,000 people or 800 people, whatever it's on Sunday morning. But you can do it with two or three up to about, we think about 12 is good. Maybe that's, Jesus gave us a good hint there. But, you know, it's like we, we legislate things in our life so our group our ecclesia meets on mondays we we know each other we know the assignment god's given us and we're praying for for god to to touch people's lives you know we want to he has a benevolent rule you know i mean that word dominion that he gave us in genesis one we have to put a happy face on it dominion is not domination dominion means kingdom. It means that God, the king, has an amazing kingdom that we can actually, you know, contend for. Uh, I just, it's just amazing. I, that's why, you know, I think during this pandemic, I, I look back and see why it just came in me and upon me so clearly because he's changing. He wants to change how we meet and why we meet. Yeah. And yeah. then, you know, meet in a very effective way. And I deal with that in the book, you know, to be able to do this, you have to, you have to have a smaller group so you can track along with what God's doing and what, you know, you, you, you basically touch and agree. That's what the Bible says. Agree on good stuff, right? <laughs> right. Exactly. Exactly. I like that number 12 because, um, I have a lot of friends uh, from Army Special Forces, and I've 
done a lot of interaction with Army Special Forces and have been awarded an honorary Green Beret from Army Special Forces Association for some of the work that I've done. And the number 12 is very important to them because the Special Forces A team consists of 12 people. And yep. that's all they really need to do what they need to do. And I was talking to one of the old graybeards who was in Vietnam, and that's what they call a senior special forces uh, member who is, they don't call him former, but you know, the, once special forces, always special forces. He said, yes, we got that model of 12 from the 12 disciples, from what wow. Jesus had, because it's a very powerful number. And that's all we really need to do the jobs that we need to do. And look at what they've done throughout the world. And it doesn't have to be big. It doesn't have to be big to be effective. And I think that's where in our culture, you know, especially coming out of the 80s, the decade of excess, everything had to be big. It had to be bigger. We had to have, yes. you know, a huge that's fun right. park uh, or, you know, and fun land uh, up in the Fort Mill area. But that wasn't effective. And what what's effective now is small groups of believers living the kingdom, living in that. And I like that, that it's not... Um, domination it's dominion and i right. see so many people confused about that today that we've got to force our way into things and be violent about it uh, we need to be militant christians that is not the case there's a benevolence in it in taking dominion there's there's a graciousness in it yes. as well ron i mean as i said what you wrote is revolutionary and it's refreshed me how and when and where did God reveal to you that this is kind of the way that he wants to go? How did this come about for you? Well, it's been a progression. I've always activating believers. It's, uh, I was at Seacoast Church for 30 years. You know, that, that was really my heart. It's just seeing believers who are lovers of God, carrying his kingdom goodness, you know, into their world. I mean, we're to be in the world, not of it. And that, you know, because we, we are of God, his spirit in us is so good. And But we're to showcase his goodness in every area of culture. You know, I love the seven mountains, seven spheres, whatever you want to call it, seven pillars, government, you know, business, arts and entertainment, media. Do we need help in media? Um, you know, all the family, everything. Those are those are cultural centers that got, believers have got to show up with the love and the goodness of God. You know, one in the book I talk about dominion and I give a total definition of it. And one of the word words means master, and that doesn't mean dominion. It means master your gift. Don't be a jack of all trades. Master your gift so you can display, the, you know, the goodness of God. For instance, in arts and entertainment, you know, master your gift. And we're seeing that more and more, you know, we're seeing it in, in, in sports. We're seeing where believers are mastering their gift and then giving glory to God because he's in them. I love Philippians 2.13. God is in you to will and act according to his good purpose. And we get and keep in mind that God's purpose is really to bring the kingdom of heaven in its practicality on the earth. You know, I, I love Genesis 1.26 and 27, which is the original mandate. Because it says, uh, let us make them in our image and likeness. And those two words, anytime God uses two words, it's important. I found out image is like the who of God. It's his character, his nature, his love. But likeness has a little slightly different deal. With It's almost like functionality. It's the, it's the how of God. It's how God does things. 
So, man, you start thinking about if fact he wants us to display his kingdom and how he does things. God, God teaches. He's the greatest teacher ever. So he knows how to teach. So his teachers lock in to how he wants to teach. But we can go on and on with the seven mountains. But, you know, you see the difference. And I think that um, a big cue of what Jesus came to do is in Luke 4 in the, in the wilderness when Satan tempted him. Mm-hmm. Knowing that, you know, Satan took the authority from Adam and Eve because, you know, they he lied to them and they took the bait. He took Jesus up on a high mountain, and I think that's key, and showed him all the uh, cultures of the world. And they were, you know, of course, they were not what the kingdom of God would display. And, you know, he told Jesus, you bow down to me, and I'll give you these kingdoms. And Jesus said, basically, no, I'm not going that way. I will have these kingdoms back, <laughs> but I'm not taking your bait. So, you know, Satan has infiltrated in a counterfeit way what God gave us, that dominion, which is that dominion elevates society. I'm telling you, it is the best environment you would ever have, best art, best everything. And uh, so God, I think he's restoring that, Glenn. And, uh, it's 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 really exciting to watch because you you know you start looking at the different areas of culture and you're seeing believers just going about their business the the king's business you know he's the best business in town and they're just displaying his love his goodness and his excellence see you know just go ahead and be good at it <laughs> yeah I I'd agree with that and especially in observing the music industry the Christian music industry when I became a believer in the 90s I was not that excited about Christian music yeah. especially Christian pop or Christian rock it was kind of third rate to me I'm like why do I want to listen to something that sounds like Metallica when I can listen to Metallica and I kind of settled for it. I was like well I guess this is if what God wants me to listen to I'll listen to it and I took a long break from that but now that I've been doing this the the live stream the podcast and been doing this for about three years now God took me down some roads I'll tell you what some of the artists and these are not the ones that are you know making it big um, that you really don't hear about and we like to feature here man their heart is in the right place and their craft is amazing i'm like this is like you know 21 age day 21 day age ribeye steak that we're eating here it's it's really really good yeah and i see that i see that and god is restoring i think a lot of the things a lot of the arts a lot of the entertainment um, a lot of the things that were locked up in babylon in captivity for a long time yes. are coming out of that captivity in these last days so that Jesus can be glorified. And we've got some awesome comments here. And I'd like to thank all of our viewers for joining us. Uh, we've got Byron Neesmith and he wants to go back and comment on the force of 12. Another comment on 12 Sue, Sue Neesmith, the empowerment of 12. Awesome. Michelle L who works hard behind the scenes here for us. Um, she um, says um, dominion versus dominance. Good point. And then love that master your gift, Ron. Um, real quick, can you share with us uh, what again? What you think it is that God's doing with all of this shaking that's going on now? Uh, you know, things are being changed; they're being shaken up. How does this tie into Ecclesia? Well, it does it? I mean, it's, it's powerful. Uh, Hebrews twelve, of course, says that everything that can be shaken will be shaken, and I think we're seeing that. And he said then, so that what remains, the kingdom of God, what remains cannot be shaken. So I think he's just, you know, he's, the kingdom is coming. 
And again, he's the most, he's the greatest king ever. <laughs> and his rule, which is so benevolent, is coming more and more upon the earth. Because I think the, I think the shaking just shakes what doesn't really work, what's not true. You know, I think he's going to shake the earth with any hypocrisy. We, and we all have some of that. We all on Facebook, you know, we're always portraying ourselves a little better than we are. But there is some deep-seated hypocrisy, in the, you know, in the world that God's going to shake. I think he just... You know he's going. He's shaking things so that we can, we can experience life in all of its goodness. You know, I think as believers, um, you know, we're finally realizing that he's good. He is a good God, and we've been lied to. You know, I've always said God needs a uh, a better PR person on the earth, and it's us. And as we get it, we start understanding who we are. That we can show people who he really is. Jesus came first to show the Father that the Father was full of love. He was for you, not against you. He's in a good mood, not in a bad mood, and he loves you. And and you know, and he's dealt with our sin. We just have to say, God, here, here it is, and be honest with him. You know, so God wants us to become the best version of who He created us to be. You know, Ephesians two ten says that you are God's incredible work piece of work you know we're all piece of work incredible work of god and that he has given you good works to walk in and they would unfold before you that's why it's such a relational thing god will unfold what he's created you to do so you can display his goodness and glory and glenn i think we're all fighting against these decades of institutional you know paradigms of who we who we are as a church i mean he's shaking that you know, and uh, we just finally, I think, realizing that God is in us. <laughs> he is for us. And yes. he wants to show up on Monday morning, probably more so than Sunday morning. So <laughs> <laughs> I know he does. You know, if you're looking for him, he's there. He is. He oh is. He absolutely <laughs> is. Hey, we've got a comment from Aaron Von Graham in Ireland who's watching this evening. Aaron, thank you for joining. And Aaron, tonight is a double shot. We are diving into some deep theology in the first hour. And we've had some technical issues over here that I've been working on uh, behind the scenes. So we're going. But at 8 o'clock tonight, we are going to check out a new band called Vessel. And hey, you know, Teresa wrote, uh, Teresa Bender said, love that. Master your gift. You know, that is so important. I hear so many people say, well, I don't have any giftings and God could never use me. And all of that is the lies that we've been fed um, by society and even by the church where it's only the chosen few that are the ones that are supposed to be doing the work and everybody, you know, it's the spectator sport that's that, that's going on. And yeah, everything is shaking with COVID. When that started a year ago, I kind of started to sense when I started seeing churches shut down, that this might not necessarily be a bad thing. This is something God is resetting things at this point in time and trying to get us more into the vein of what he wants us to do. And the small groups that have emerged out of it, yeah. uh, the way that people are doing, I mean, hey, this week, I got to give a plug for it. This weekend at the Hanahan Amphitheater, we've got um, Let's Worship Charleston with Sean Futch going on. It's at 4 p.m. at the Hanahan Amphitheater, same place we're going to have Rockfest in May. And you better believe that I am going to be there at that event because God is doing something. And I think that's all these. Th that's one of those things that we see emerging out of this shaking and i look at it this way ron you know when you're going to go fix a road 
when uh, right. Department of Transportation goes out to fix the road, they just don't lay new pavement on top of it to make it look pretty. They got to take a bulldozer through that thing and just rip it apart before they you know, yeah. fix the road. And really, that's what it means to make straight the way of the Lord. And I believe that's where we're at in history right now is we're making straight the way of the Lord so there is no excuse for anyone so that they can see that God is good. It's his goodness that leads to repentance. We forget about that a lot, um, but so that people can be saved. And that's what this is all about. We've got some more comments here. Amen. Yes, I need him every day, not just Sunday for Michelle L. Yes, <laughs> I've been needing him every second tonight with everything going on around here while I'm trying to do this, which probably indicates we're on the right track. And then that's Aaron right. says, yes, shaking is taking place. I can see world leaders and governments crumble. You know, and that's really interesting. That goes back to what you were talking about, the legislature of Ecclesia. We have all too often just kind of separated ourselves from society. I think it's part of that angst from, you know, what we read in scripture where people have a hard time with it and it's very hard to reconcile. Maybe you can help us with this a little bit. In um, John chapter 17, verses 14 through 16, John wrote, well, Jesus said, I have given them thy word and thy, the, the world hated them because they are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. I pray not that you should not take them out of the world, but that thou shouldest keep them from evil. Thank you, Lord, for praying that we stay here in the midst of this mass. But um, he wants us in the world. And he's That's saying right. that. Absolutely. But then, then you read, and I think some people get tripped up, and I know I've gotten tripped up over this, where it says in First John, do not love the world or the things of the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Can you help any of our viewers and listeners who struggle with that of how do I participate in the world, but at the same time not love the world? Yeah, I, do. I mean, I think that's, that's a powerful distinction because, you know, first, of course, we love God. We love God first. And that, I think that changes, that sets us up for being in the world because we love him first. You know, and righteousness is such a, you know amazing word. It, we, we've, got it, we've got it wrong over time. And righteousness is external. Righteousness is alignment with God. That's what the word means, alignment with God. So when you're aligned with God, you're aligned with how, you know, how he wants you to live life. You can actually dance. And love God. You you know you can do a lot of stuff and love God. And but if you, if you do something that's not aligned with God, the Holy Spirit will tell you, and you just have to respond to it. So you can be in the world and just but not love the things of the world that are just not in alignment with Him. You know, and I, He was able to go anywhere, right? And the fact maybe we can't maybe speaks speaks more to where we are with Him. He could go anywhere, and He 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 won with His love. His connection with the Father. So I just think we've got to make sure that we're aligned with him. And that alignment is amazing. You know, he loves rock and roll music. He loves everything. He's, maybe everything that I was told he didn't love. He's, he loves it. He loves cultures. He loves everything about what people do and how they're wired to do it. You know, we talk about assignment. Um, it's, it's, you're wired for your assignment. God wants you to love what you're wired to do. And I think that, you know, for too long, it felt like Christianity was drudgery and that we were supposed to suffer. Well, you know, you, the suffering he's talking about sometimes is that you may suffer persecution because, you know, the enemy's there. You know, who knew? He, you know, he doesn't like us, doesn't like God. And, and, but that's, we don't suffer 
by having a, a bad attitude about life. God wants us to love life, love who we are, love our assignment, love our gifts, and let him flow through us. So, you know, we are to be in the world, and we're to love God and love where he's placed us and love what we can do. I mean, Jim share a verse I thought goes along with this because, you know, again, too often believers uh, don't realize that God wants them to be in every part of in the culture area. Isaiah 49, I love this scripture. It says, get yourself up, O Zion, on a high mountain. And we talked about high mountains being all the cultural places. He says, O Zion, you bearer of good news, lift up your voice mightily, O bearer of good news. He keeps saying that. He says, lift it up, do not fear, and say to your cities, here is your God. Behold, the Lord God will come with his might, and he will rule with his mighty hand. And that ruling again, which is part of the word dominion, the ruling part is against the works of the enemy. You know, and Jesus came to destroy the works of the enemy. So it's just it's just fun to realize you're free to, to be who God's called you to be. Get yourself up on that mountain God's placed you, and you because you are a bearer of good news. You have good news in you. And I tell you, we, you know, Paul said, let the aroma of Christ come out, you know, so that they, they just sense there's something different about you because you're connected with God and you're not weird. <laughs> you're, you're different, but it's a good difference. We've got, some, we've got some awesome comments coming in right now. And I want to hit upon these. And before we wrap up tonight, there's another point that I want to discuss with you to, to help our listeners and viewers out and even help me out with a little bit. Um, Christina, who introduced, reintroduced us again. Um, I met you again through Christina. She says, love that rip up the unsteady foundations we've built <laughs> in the Lord. And that really goes back to what you were saying about how we perceive ourselves and our giftings and our stifling. Unfortunately, the church has done more damage to a lot of people and saying, no, you can't do this. You can't do that. Right. Uh, you know, if you're going to do something, you need, you need to suffer in, in doing it. When I started this ministry, I didn't even know fully what it was going to turn into when I started. It started as writing a book, but I would be accused of, well, you're doing that, but you're not feeding the poor and you're not taking care of the homeless. And I'm like, well, that's not in me to do. There's nothing wrong with that, but that's not what's burning in me to do. And I think it was out of that perception that, well, if you're going to be a Christian and you're going to be a believer, you need to suffer. And what you need to do is just live in drudgery. Um, Christina also said, uh, we're built in the image of God. Make him first and watch what he'll do through you. That is so true. Yes. Uh, when we put him first. Um, I love this verse. Uh, it was just really quickened to me a couple months months ago. The verse where it says, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Yeah. That's a promise. Absolutely. And I, I, every morning I wake up, if I draw near to God, he will draw near to me. And then Aaron wrote this from Ireland. The world is our temporary home. While we are here, we got to be the people God called us to be and follow our calling and use our gifts to bless and be a witness. Aaron is absolutely right. And Aaron is actually a living testimony of that. He is a worship leader and musician in Ireland and his music what a heart for the gospel what a heart for the lost and what a heart just to see god glorified he's been a good friend of ours for now for about the past three years and uh, just a wonderful man of god i want to ask you this ron before we wrap it up tonight 
We've talked a lot about dominion and authority. And when we go and take a look in Matthew chapter 16, verses 18 through 19, Jesus said this, and I want, I want your perspective on this. Jesus said, I'll pull it up here. There we go. Um, and I say unto thee, thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And I will give unto thee the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatsoever thou shalt bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatsoever thou shalt loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. These are very, very powerful words, words yeah. of authority. Why have we not been walking in this from your point of view? Well, again, I think behavior comes out of identity. You know, you keep, you you don't change from changing your behavior. You change from changing your identity. And then behavior just flows naturally out of a new identity. You know, when Satan uh, tempted Jesus, he said, are you really the son of God? He's always challenging our identity. And as we get a hold of our identity and that God uh, God uses his sons and daughters. I mean, he, he is in us, you know, we're, he's the invisible God in, in, in invisible people. I used to tell West campus, you're a mobile home for Jesus. And as we understand that, I mean, we can go about and begin to agree with God. He's just looking for agreement. I love faith is really agreement with God. You know, it's just where two or three agree, you know, it shall be done. Isn't that powerful? That is powerful. That we can understand what heaven looks like practically more and more. The Holy Spirit will just show us because it's that connection with him. And we can ask God to, to bring that into our lives around us. So some things will be bound. I mean, there's some things in heaven that are not in heaven, you know, and we know that we can just ask, Holy Spirit, is this in heaven? And he'll tell you pretty clear, no. All the bad stuff is not in heaven. So we have the power to bind that, you know. Bind the stuff that's hurting people. And and we do that not only practically, but as we get together, the ecclesia, it says where two of you agree, I'm I'm there with you, and it shall be done. So it's just that practical practical being together and praying and then walking it out in your jobs and your vocations and the people that you know. You're just more on alert of what God is doing. And that's wow. what's powerful about this whole thing, is that you realize. Jesus said, I've got to be about my father's business. And that's our heart. We've, we've just got to be about our father's business. It's the best business in town. It's open 24 seven and there's always goodness about it. <laughs> wow. And you know, Christina's got a Ronism. We've got a quote from Ron Hamilton. This is the quote of the evening. Faith is really agreement with God. It's that simple. Ron, we're going to have to have you back on and talk some more. But before we go this evening and get ready for our second edition at 8 o'clock, where can people get a copy of your book? I think we've whetted people's appetites to get this book and ravenously read it. Where can people get a copy of Ecclesia Empowered and Deployed? It's on Amazon. You just uh, Google Ecclesia. I, I spell it with K-E-K-K-L-E-S-I-A. I think you might have it there, but Ecclesia empowered and deployed amazon has it we've also uh we've got a video series of 10 sessions on um, ecclesia that's at ronhamilton.live ronhamilton.live and you can uh, get those video downloads you got notes to come with you can watch them with your family and friends with your small group and it's just i think it, it'll help you grab a hold of these things 
Valuable resources. There it is right there at the bottom of the screen. It's ronhamilton.live. Go check it out. And hey, if you are watching on YouTube Live right now, just go down in the description. We put for you very easily so you can get a copy of this book. It's a It refreshed me. It opened my eyes. And I was able to throw off a lot of junk that I had been taught that is not biblical, um, mostly from some church leaders. But we're, we're gonna, we'll save that one for a later day. We're going to get more controversial as we have Ron on again in the future. Ron, <laughs> thank you so much for joining us this evening. Remember, that book is Ecclesia Empowered and Deployed. And Ron and I are go both going to be out at the Hanahan Amphitheater this Saturday for Let's Absolutely. Worship Charleston. That We're going to see the church rise, and God is doing something at that amphitheater and doing something in Charleston. Everybody, thank you for joining us this evening. And until eight, until the eight o'clock hour, peace out and rock on. Lithoscry.com.